Thank you very much, Leonard. So good evening, everyone. My name is Godfrey Magao, as Leonard's already said, and it's really an amazing privilege for me to stand before you um, to just, uh, just share the Word of God with you. And what I'm going to speak about tonight is uh, just how to cultivate um, a prayerful life. Um, I know that if you just go into this new season um, or just this festive season that I know for me, I must admit, there is something in me that feels like my foot goes off the pedal. Um, and as a foot just goes off the pedal is I get like I, I slumber in so many ways spiritually. So I really pray that, um, yeah, that tonight that God will just come and stir something in your heart, really for passion for Him, uh, for love for Him, that even in this holiday season, uh, that we will just chase after God and really, really, really love Him well. Um, so first of all, I just want to say, I know that there was a um, graduations for this week. Um, can maybe just a few people, I know there's some of you are sitting here who graduated this week. Can you just maybe stand up quickly? Just wherever you are, quickly. Let's give them a round of applause. Well done. It's amazing. It's incredible. It's incredible. And we just want to honor you guys and also just honor God for His grace that's upon your guys' lives. And we are excited for this new season that God has you in. And I pray that He'll just lead you guys by His Spirit into every single thing that He has uh, for you. So as I said, I'm going to speak about cultivating a prayerful life. And I'm going to just set up my, my timer here so that I can, you know, make sure that I stay within Within time, Leonard said, "I can take all the time, you know, that I that I want to take, seeing that this is the last service that we're having, you know. So I'm aiming for three hours, uh, but we'll just see, you know, like where we where we're getting. Uh, but when we start, before we start, um, I just want to read a verse in Luke 11, verse one. Luke 11, verse one. So it says, "Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him." Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. I'm just going to read it again. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished praying, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. So there was something significant, I think, about Jesus' prayer life and also John's prayer life that the disciples look at this picture and how we will also look at, at it later, how every single time Jesus had a habit of actually waking up early in the morning and going to a desolate place or to different places to pray. And I think there was something in the disciples' life that every single time when they would look at Jesus, when he spends time with the Father specifically in prayer, this stirred up a desire in them to say, God, would you teach us, Jesus, would you teach us to pray just like John taught his disciples? So they've actually seen this picture before. They, they saw an example of what prayer looked like, and there was something in their hearts that yearned. There was something that God stirred up in their hearts for this life of prayer. And I want to say, first of all, that I really think that as a believer, this is one of the things that you and I, it should be the bedrock, you know, of our faith. It should be the, the bedrock or, or almost like the, the springboard, you know, like where everything actually um, jumps from. So if this morning or this evening you find yourself in a place where maybe you're a little bit like me, you know, that prayer wasn't always your forte, um, there is grace for you. There is grace for you. So I want to say that, you know, when we look at prayer, you normally would, would know that, especially in a church like George Chen, you know, you have almost like these two camps, you know, like of people. You know, you have this camp, 
you know, like when, when they pray, you know, this, this is like the, the, the Christians of this world or the Macs of this world. You know, when they pray, there's a halo over their head. You know, you can see it over Mac right now when you look to the back. You can see there's something shining, you know, over his head. So these are, these are the people that every time when they pray, you know, it feels like, man, they are face to face with God. There's something, you know, beautiful and something passionate and something energetic about their prayer life. And then there's those, you know, like the disciples who are, you know, a little bit like me, you know, where when you think about prayer, it's not that thing where you like, you rejoice. And when someone says, let's go to prayer meeting, you don't jump up the bed and say, yeah, let's go to prayer meeting. You know, it, it's sort of a struggle. You know, like it's sort of a, you know, it, it's a discipline. It feels like, man, I need to dis- d- d- discipline myself every time when I need to pray, either when I'm by myself or when I'm with other people. But it doesn't matter which camp you fall into today. I really believe that there's grace for each and every single one of us. And I'm praying that even tonight that God would come and that by His grace and by His Spirit, He will just come and stir up something in us, actually to give ourselves to this thing called prayer. So when I think about prayer is, I think the earliest example of what I know what prayer is or what a prayer life looks like is uh, actually from my mother. So I grew up in a household where my mother would pray me under the table. You know, she was one of those women, I I remember there were seasons of my mother's life where she would follow some weird like timeline. So at 12, she would wake up and she would pray. And then she would go back to sleep. And then at three, she would wake up and pray. And then she would sleep. And then at six, she would wake up and pray. And I remember as a little boy, there were moments where I tried, you know, just to come alongside her, you know, to see how far I can, you know, pray with her. And as I said, she would pray me under the table. I just couldn't pray like this woman would pray. And the beauty about this thing is even the prayers that she prayed in that season of life, some of those words I still remember even today. And, and there's moments of my life where the Holy Spirit reminds me actually that, that what I'm experiencing or the life that I'm living or wherever I find myself ministering is actually some of those things are things that my mother prayed many, many years ago before she passed away. And I'm so grateful uh, for that. And so I, I grew up in this culture, you know, seeing and, and knowing an example of what prayer looks like. Um, but I'm sorry to, to, to disappoint you tonight that there's, there's, there's nothing of that that rubbed off. You know, like I so wish that prayer was one of those things that was genetic, you know, that if your mother is a, you know, prayer warrior that automatically you become, you know, like a prayer warrior. I, I really wish that's how it worked, you know, because to be honest with you, if, if I must admit, you know, if you ask me what is one spiritual discipline that I've probably struggled with most in my life, I would say it's the area of prayer. I would honestly say it's prayer. And I don't want to overcook it or anything like that, but I, I, I had to, you know, learn how to cultivate this thing. I had to learn how to dig my walls when it comes to the area of prayer. I saw that this is a gap in my life and this is something in me that if I want to fulfill God's purposes for my life, if I want to get to the place where God wants me to get, I had better be sure to be disciplined in this area of prayer. And that applies to every single one of us um, tonight. So as we just think about these two camps of prayer is I think maybe one of the mistakes, you know, that I think the church has done, um, just the church in a whole is, and I know it's, you know, we, we meant it for good and, and I don't have anything against it, you know, but, but, but sometimes we, 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 we stir up or we form intercession groups, you know, and it's amazing. I love intercession groups now, now in this season of my life. I love intercession groups, but if you asked me a few years ago, it wasn't my thing, but I really think that there's something that creeped in you know, um, when, we, when we started 
intercession group, not just as George Chan, but just as a church as a whole, that this gave people an opportunity to say, there are a select few of people who have this wonderful spiritual gift of intercession. So they will pray, and I don't need to pray. So I'll be at home, I'll do my own thing, I'll come to church, I'll listen to sermons, I'll do whatever needs to be done, but there's a special, actually a remnant, a small group of people who on a Tuesday morning at the prayer house and on a Sunday after church, there were other people that actually should be praying. But I really think that there's something that God has given us that He actually calls each and every single one of us to give ourselves to this area of prayer. You know, this is not something, some spiritual gift that was given to people. And as a matter of fact, can I just remind you tonight that if you go look, if you read up the list of gifts, of different gifts, you, you don't find prayer there. Right? You don't find prayer there. It's, it's not a spiritual gift. That means that it's a lifeline for each and every single one of us. It's something that God has given each and every single one of us. And I want to say, man, the more you give yourself to this area of prayer, you know, is the more, you know, just the beauty of Jesus, the beauty of who he is, just gets revealed all the more. And I promise you, once you start and you give yourself to it, I promise you that you just want to go on and on and on and on. So, as I said, um, as I grow more and more in my relationship with God, especially as an elder now, I realize that I can't afford not to pray. I honestly realize every single day of my life that if I don't pray, there is absolutely no way that I'll be able to take hold of everything that God has for me. And I want to say it's the same for every one of us today. That if you don't give yourself to prayer, there is absolutely no way that you'll be able to achieve even the tiny little bit of what God has for you. And I was so convicted as I was just reading a book by Andrew Murray called The Prayer Life. Um, he, he quotes the following, uh, the following thing. He says, a minister cannot lead a congregation higher than he is himself. He cannot with enthusiasm point out a way or explain a work in which he is not himself walking or living in. So what he's saying here is I, as an elder of this church, I cannot call you to a life of prayer if I myself have not first given myself to this area of prayer. And I was actually so convicted. If we look at Acts 6 verse 4, very briefly, it's one sentence. It says, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And to give a bit of background with this specific verse is this is where the first deacons were chosen. They were chosen for this reason, where Paul says, but we will devote ourselves, look at what he says, first to prayer and then to the ministry of the word. As an elder, I love preaching. I love the word of God. It's very easy for me to read the Bible over and over and over and over again. But I must say there are seasons of my life where I'm lacking in this area of prayer. And it's convicting for me that Paul, being an apostle like of, of the early church, would say, but we will devote ourselves. Or, or the apostle would say, we will devote ourselves to pray and to the ministry of the word. So this is not something we need to take nonchalantly, but it's something that we need to cultivate deeply in our lives. I hope this makes sense. So what I'm trying to say is I'm not coming tonight as a guru of, of prayer or someone who's cracked the code or someone, you know, like who just, you know, if you climb into my prayer room, you know, you experience all sorts of things. No, I'm actually coming to you tonight saying I'm also like one who is limping. I am also like one 
who is learning to walk. I'm also like one who's trying to exercise this muscle of prayer. And I realize that the more I give myself to this area, is the more that Jesus is revealed in my life. So I've spent quite a, a, a time, you know, just in my own personal life thinking, why do I struggle to pray? Like why if someone says, let's go to pray, you know, like why do I not jump up and say, yes, let's, let's go do it? Like why, what is it actually that sometimes apprehends me to give me a, myself to this, um, to this life of prayer? And I want to say, you know, looking at my life is the number one thing is actually sin. It's actually sin that keeps me away from praying. And, and I want to read the following verse in, in uh, 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14 to 15. That says, if my people, it's Old Testament, it says, if my people called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. And then listen to the following, it says, now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. So as I look at this, you know, I, I understand and I look at my life and I realize that sometimes my own wicked ways and my own wicked desires is something actually that keeps me from giving myself fully to this life of prayer. That there's some things that I need to admit that I love more than God, that I love more than actually giving myself to this area of prayer. And there is something I know that God is, is, is challenging me on and something where God says, I, I want that. I want your heart. I don't just want parts of your heart, but I want your full heart. And you in order for me to get that is you need to be more disciplined to give yourself in this area of prayer. So I know that uh, obviously I, I'm, I stand here and I'm, I'm the only sinner, you know, as, as I look at this thing and I'm the only one who maybe sometimes, you know, just binge on Netflix, you know, or on, uh, uh, on, on Showmax or, you know, binge on Supersport or, you know, binge on some series that came out. I know I'm the only one, so I'm just standing here confessing, actually. I know that I'm the only one. I know that all of you guys in here are people who are very, very disciplined and you love Jesus and you love praying, right? Amen. I, I know that, that, that that's obviously a lie. But, uh, but I want to say, you know, we, we actually don't have an excuse not to pray. That if we can binge on all sorts of stuff and we can find, you know, a place to spend time with all sorts of rubbish, if I can put it that way, then we actually do have time for prayer. So watch out that sin is in the thing that keeps you away from prayer. And then just briefly, second thing is distraction. We live in a world where my number one distraction is this little thing here. I really want us to just, just consider these things. I don't want to just rush through this. I, I, I want this to simmer into our hearts and to not to say, God, there's a desire in us to see the power of the Spirit around us. Wherever we may find ourselves, this holiday will be in malls, will be in, in many different places. And I promise you that God desires that people would know Him. God desires to use us. He desires to give us prophetic words, to give us different things that will actually enable us, you know, to reach out to people and to see the power of the Holy Spirit at work. So I want to tell you a story um, just with this, uh, with this point is... There's a, a guy, um, it was in the state, called Charles Finney. And maybe for, for some of you guys, maybe Mac and, and, and some of the more senior uh, generation among us would know who, this guy. But he was an evangelist and apostle called Charles Finney. 
So this guy would actually reach out to different parts of the states, and it's actually estimated that in his lifetime, about a million, you know, 1.5 million people actually gave their hearts to the Lord. So he was that guy where he would walk, sometimes would walk in the mall, and as he walks in, in malls, I don't know if they had malls at that time, but the shopping centers or factories and, and all of those places, he would walk, and as he walks, people who don't know him from a bar of soap would fall down at his feet, saying, what should we do? You know, to experience God, what should we do to come to salvation? Literally, without him preaching a word, people would just come and fall and be convicted and they would repent of sin and God would change their lives right there and right then. Without him saying anything. He would go out to revivals and he goes, as he goes out to revivals, people would experience, I mean, weird stuff like healings and restorations and all of those things. But the whole world didn't know that actually at the engine of this whole thing was a guy called Daniel Nash. So Daniel Nash was actually Charles Finney's intercessor. And how this would work out is before, you know, Charles Finney would come, let's say, to Stellenbosch, is Daniel Nash would come to Stellenbosch. He would scout out the place and look around, okay, where, what, 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 where, where is B&Bs and all of those kind of stuff. And then he would book himself into a space about a week or two weeks sometimes before whatever Charles Finney was going to do. And then what he would do is day and night, literally he would lock himself up and he would pray. This is two weeks or sometimes a week before, you know, the, uh, uh, Charles Finney would preach. And he would pray and pray and pray. And, and I actually just want to read a... Just an, uh, or maybe you can, you can go read the story about something. It's a, it's a fascinating story because there, there was a, a time where he went to, to a specific place. And when he got there, uh, the lady, they, they booked themselves in, or they wanted to book themselves in a place. And the lady said, the place is full. And then they asked, but isn't there even like a stable where we can just stay? We just want a room where we can pray. And these guys literally chose to stay in a stable for a week to seek God's face. And when Charles Finney came and he preached, they saw massive, massive, massive salvations. So this was not because, you know, Charles was an amazing evangelist. I'm sure, you know, it was because of that as well. But it was actually because of a guy that no one knew at the time that would lock himself up in a room and that would pray that people will come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ through this evangelist called Charles Finney. And there's something in my heart that says, I also want to desire, I also want to experience something of that. And uh, the third thing is, when we do not pray, it actually hampers our evangelism. I don't know about you, but when I'm, when I'm in a space where I'm not giving myself to pray, I don't have a desire to reach out to the lost. It feels like I, I just don't carry, carry that heart. It's, it's something that I, I need to like, you know, almost like a, a pump that I need to wind myself you know, but, but I, I find out that when I pray, when I walk in a mall or I'm, I'm whatever at, at MTN, I'm, I'm standing behind someone, it, it feels like my eyes are just, my, my ears, you know, like I'm, I'm looking, I'm listening to, to anything that I can, you know, use to just like climb into a conversation to tell someone about Jesus. You know, so I, I've, I've had to learn, you know, that I need to, you know, really give myself to this discipline of prayer. And, and Paul actually says in Colossians 4, he says, he, he writes a letter to the, to the church in Colossians. He says, pray for us that God would open us a door for the gospel. So sometimes the reason why we do not experience open doors or open hearts, it's actually because we do not, we're not giving ourselves to pray. Sometimes we complain about that one colleague, you know, that's uh, sometimes a bit unlovable. Um, we complain about, you know, that one uncle in our family that uh, maybe drinks juice a little bit too much. 
Um, and and if, I, if I would challenge you tonight and say, can you consider with me just for a few seconds, how much do you pray for that person? Have you prayed for that person? Before you can judge them, before you, know, you can look at them the way that you look at them, have you actually prayed for them? And I want to say that if you start praying for them now, I promise you God is faithful to give you an open door to be able to preach the gospel to those people. And uh, lastly, it makes us susceptible to other sins. So we, when we do not pray, it, it makes us open for other sins. And Jesus said in, in Matthew, you don't have to put it up, uh, Ryan. But Jesus said in Matthew 26, verse 1, Watch and pray that you do not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. We're going into a holiday season. You're going to find yourself somewhere by yourself. You're going to find yourself in spaces where you don't normally find yourself. You're going to find yourself in a space where your God is a little bit down. You're going to find yourself among a family members that are frustrating you and that are stressing you out and that are unlovable and you, don't, you feel like, I just want to get out of this place. Some of us are going to find ourselves in spaces where, you know, the family that we're going back to, they don't believe the same things that we believe. So as a matter of fact, you're going to find yourself in a place where it's not so lacquer. And you are going to be vulnerable or open for sin. But I want to say, would you just this one holiday, would you just lean in prayer? Would you just prioritize this thing so much that when, when, when that uncle says that one sentence or that one thing that normally just like ticks at your heart, you know, would you just take it just like that and just, just go to your room wherever you find your, a space just to pray? Would you pray for that one person that's irritating or that feels like they will never come to salvation. Let me tell you another story. I'm not going to name the, 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 the name of the guy because I know Joshua would know the guy that I'm going to speak about now. Um, but, uh, uh, but there's a guy, I'm going to call him Josh. So when I was studying at the University of the Free State, Josh, just, I'm just going to call him Josh for now. Just because you know him. Um, so this guy, um, he's actually has a, um, he has a, a Jewish background. So I was in a course called Career in Bloemfontein in the Free State. And if you ask anyone that has been to campus about career courses, unfortunately, you won't, you won't hear the most amazing things. You know, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a paradise. It wasn't a palace. It wasn't a, you know, a nice place to be in. It was a rough, rough, rough place. So we constantly found ourselves surrounded by guys, really. Some of us, you would look, you would look at them and you would think, God, if you save this guy, then there's a, there's a God. You know, like, that's alive, Literally. Like, there were guys that felt like, man, this guy will never come to salvation. But I want to tell you a story about one guy. So this guy, Josh, um, we, we would look at Josh. And Josh, as I said, he had a Jewish background. And, and he, was, he was a rough guy. He studied medicine. So a very smart guy, very clever, very lovable guy, an amazing just people's person. But he struggled a lot with alcohol. You know? And, and this, this broke us so much. Every time when we would look at him, we would, we would think, man, there must be life. Outside this life that he's living right now, there must be something, you know, that's, that, that's, that's better. Something that, is, that, that gives life than this life that Josh is living. And then what we would do is me and myself, uh, me, and, me and a guy called Jan Kriel. So Jan Kriel was a, this engier, um, you know, guy from Freiheit, you know, of all places. From Freiheit. So he was this Afrikaans boy. Every single day, Jan would have a tie with a nekis hemp, with chinos. Like that's how he looked every single day. Like a prim and proper guy. So Jan and I actually came together and we said, Jan, why don't we take our time to actually pray for this guy? 
So what we would do is literally, I mean, at least every week, at least every week and multiple times in a week sometimes, we would literally be, be kneeling at, at, at each other's beds and we would be weeping for this guy. Literally, we would be crying and asking, God, would you save this guy? Would you reveal yourself to this guy? And this wasn't just a few weeks or, you know, I, I wish I could say it was a few weeks, uh, but it actually took months. It took months. It took months. But when it happened, it happened. And this guy got radically, radically, radically saved. And today, he's a doctor in PE, and he's doing amazing. He's a father of two kids. And man, it's just incredible to look at his life today. And I wonder what would have happened if two guys, you know, didn't take out some time in a room somewhere in a race to kneel before God and to actually bring this guy to him. So I'm not saying this thing to make myself look nice or, or whatever it is, but I'm saying prayer works. We need to be praying for people. And someone said, before we can speak to God about the people, we need to, we, we need to speak to, before we need to, we speak to the people about God, we need to speak to God about the people. We need to be a people that gives us to this discipline of prayer. So I'm going to end it off. Um, and maybe there's a question in your heads right now that says, but how can I, in this holiday season, right now in this season of my life, how can I actually position myself for this thing? And as I said, I really believe that this is something that God wants to stir in each and every single one of us. So the first thing that I would like to, I'm just going to mention three things, very, very basic things that you already know. But the first one is found in Psalm 5 verse 3. Or actually first pull up Mark 1.35. Mark 1.35. Okay, I'm just going to read it from here. So it says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. So he went off to a solitary place. So the first thing that we need to do is actually just to make time to pray. Whether it's very early in the morning, it doesn't matter what it is, we just simply need to cut this thing in our time. Set up a reminder Set up something that will help you to actually remember that you need to pray. And David in Psalm 5 verse 3 says, In the morning, O Lord, you will hear my voice. In the morning, I will order my prayer to you and eagerly watch. So I don't know if you're a morning person. I, I normally pray best in the morning. I don't know if you're a morning person. But I want to say it doesn't matter what it is. As long as you are praying. As long as you are cutting out time to actually do this thing. And if we value it, we will actually Go to the extreme because there's, there's probably some of us right now that are saying, uh, uh, like, mm, whatever. Like, yeah, I know it's important, it's important. But I want to say, unless you take your time, if, you, if you're not a person that pray, unless you take your, your, your cell phone out and set up reminders for this time to pray, then I want to say you don't value pray. I know it really sounds harsh and I don't want to sound harsh. I want to say that because here's this, the thing is, we, we, we quickly say we value things, but our lifestyle don't show that we value things. And I want to say, if we value this thing, if we value spending time with God, then we will actually go to the extreme extent and saying, instead of watching two hours of movie or whatever it is that I'm going to watch and binge on this holiday season, can I just maybe take 10 minutes or 15 minutes of that time and simply just take time to pray, make time to pray. So that's the first thing that I want to say. And then the first thing that I want, the second thing I want to say is, find, maybe I, I said a special place, but find a place where you can pray. So the first thing is time, and then the second thing is find a place. 
Find a cozy place somewhere in your backyard or somewhere in your house or just a place that you feel like every single time when you go to sit at this place where you go sit on this chair, there's something in your mind that happens and that switches to say, now I'm going to pray. Now this time is dedicated to my Father. Now I'm going to do business with God. Now I'm going to commune with my God. And in Matthew 6, verse 6, it says, But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So go into your room. Go into your inner chambers. And another verse would say, you don't have to pull it up. It says, it, it was at this time that he went off to the mountain to pray, speaking about Jesus. So he went to solitary places. He went to mountains. And then the other one says, he went to a, to a desolate place. A desolate place to pray. And another one says he went to a place called Gethsemane. I, I don't care what place it is, you know, but just find a place. Just a cozy, cozy, cozy in a place. Like where, where, when you sit there, man. Or, because here's the thing, what this does to me. You know, having that place to say is, even if I go through my day and something happens in my day that sets me off or that ticks me off or that stresses me out. Sometimes in my heart, in my mind, I go back to that place. And it feels like when I go back to that place, it feels like I, there's something of God's presence that I'm experiencing. So I'm able to take that experience out of my inner room to take it wherever I find myself. For me, one of those places is my car. If you drive with me in my car, but be warned. That, that's my place. That's every time I step into my car, whether I'm going to a meeting or whether, whatever I'm doing, like I, I pray, man. And there's sometimes where people look at me, you know, when I stop at the road, but people look at me and they think this guy's weird. He's talking yeah, by himself or something like that. But, but it's a place where every time I step in there, there's just something in me without even thinking about it now. Because at first it was a discipline, but now it's just a switch that goes off and I know I need to pray. And then lastly, I want to say, if you're struggling in this area, then find yourself people to pray with. Pray with others. And this is something that we really neglect. We, we, we really uh, underestimate the power of praying with other people. So I want to say, if you're struggling in this area, look at someone, maybe in church or in your family, wherever, that you feel like, I, I feel like this person, their, their prayer life is vibrant. And maybe there's something, one or two things that you can learn from that person or even just coming together in your communities. We're going to have time now where as communities we're not going to meet. And that's an opportunity for us to say, Debs, let me just pick up a phone call and just pray with Debra. Let me just pick up my phone and pray with Yandere. And it's actually a, a, a good thing when we can do this right and just find other people to pray with. And there's, I mean, verses, I'm just going to name the verses by name. Acts 1 verse 14, where you see the believers are praying together. Acts 16 verse 25, again, the believers are praying together. Acts 12 verse 11 to 12, again, the believers are praying together. So this is something that's actually, it's, 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 it's something, it's an example that is set for us by the early church. And I want to say, I know we said a lot in George Gen that we want to be a model of, of what the early church looked like. And I want to say, if you want to be that model, that we need to give ourselves to prayer. Because you know what? That early church, there were a people that were devoted to prayer. And we need to likewise be devoted to prayer. So I want to end us off with just an, a five-minute exercise. I am done preaching now, and I'm super proud of myself. I took 35 minutes. Um, so I, I, I just want us to lead us into just a five-minute exercise of just, just where you find yourself right now. 
just to do prayer. It might, not, it might be something that you're not familiar with or something that's going to look a bit different. But I want to say, would you just open up your heart right now and, and just go with it and just see what God does right now in this moment in your life. So Ryan, will you just put, pull up the scripture in Ephesians 3 verse 14. So I'm just going to read it first. It says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth? And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. How beautiful is it that you may be filled with all the fullness of God? So I'm going to ask you right now, you can take out your phone, you can take out your Bible, and quickly just go to the scripture in Ephesians 3. So Ephesians 3, verse 14 to 19. There's also Bibles in the pews if you want to make use of those. So I want to just give us an opportunity to just by yourself to just read this verse. And as you read it, I'm just going to lead us and just help. Yeah, let me be just that, that voice in the background, okay? You do business with God using that scripture. Just lean into it, open up your heart, and then just allow for God to speak to you through that word. From verse 14, yes. So 14 to 19. So maybe the first thing you can do is just take a, a verse that you feel like, I know it's a quite a lengthy one, but maybe take a verse, one verse that you will focus on. And the first thing that we'll do with this verse is we'll just read it over and over again, just for a couple of moments. And as we do that, we'll just simply just open up our hearts and just allow for God to speak to us. And then as you do that, try to just discern, you know, is there one word, is there a phrase or even a sentence that you feel like the Lord is using right now in this moment to speak into your heart? And I just want you to focus on those words. Just focus on them and repeat them over and over in your mind and in your heart and just continue to allow for God to speak to you. So just be very attentive right now. What are the words that are coming to mind? Just anything that feels like it's a picture or a symbol, whatever it is that you're just reading, 
this word and just allow for Jesus to reveal himself through this. Lastly, I want to say that there's a fullness that God wants that every single one of us, especially this festive season, that would walk in. He wants to reveal his heart. He wants to reveal his fullness. He wants to be with us. He wants us to abide in him and also for him to abide in us. So maybe as we just end this off, just for a couple of seconds, you can do it silently in your heart or even just out loud, however you choose to do it. Just respond to that word. That one thing that God right now spoke into your heart through that word, you know, just use that then as a prayer point to just pray to God and say, thank you, God, for your heart or for your character or for whatever it is that he showed you right now in this moment. So just take time to respond right now, just for a couple of seconds. So, Father, we just come before you right now, Lord, and we just want to pray the same prayer that Paul prayed, Lord God, for this church in Ephesus, that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, that we, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled with your fullness, God. Lord, we pray that we may be filled with your fullness. God, I pray, Father, this will be a holiday like no other, God. I pray that something will shift and something will be different about this specific holiday. I pray that as we give ourselves to you, God, as Leonard said, just being alone with God and giving ourselves to the word. And last week when Mac uh, preached about intimacy with God, Lord, I pray, Father, even today, Lord, preaching about prayer, I pray that all of these pieces will fall into place. And I pray, Father, that you'll give us the grace to carve out time, Lord, to be able to be with you, to be able to abide in you, God. We recognize, Father, that, that sometimes our hearts are in such a way that we don't want to do these things. But we pray, Father, would you give us the desire for you, God? Would you give us the desire to spend time with you? Would you give us a desire to spend time in the Word, to be intimate with you, and to be a people that gives ourselves to prayer so that we can, we can commune with you and then also be a blessing to those who are around us? We honor you, and we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.